behind me is our theme for the year, Always Abounding, and wherefore, uh, uh, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And again, so we're talking about always abounding in the work of the Lord, always abounding um, it really is basically giving us an understanding that you'll always be increasing uh, as a believer. And how do you do that? Well, you stay unmovable, stay steadfast. Again, faithful, faithful. I will be for the one who died for me. Others, others, this is a plea. It's so simple, can't you see? Just something small to help you understand that to be able to be unmovable and steadfast is part of the idea of abounding. And so you say, well, how does that all work? Well, we talked about last week about abounding in, in his strength. And so uh, if you listen to the message, it'll make sense to, I can be strong in the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strengthened in the Lord in the power of his might, not your own. And so how do I do that? Well, you put the armor on and then you continue to pray uh, for one another and so on. So it gives you an idea of a little bit more of how you can always abound. I really believe that what I'm going to talk about this morning really is life-changing, and it'll help you understand a little bit more about what'll help you to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. If we're talking about always abounding in any relationship uh, here on earth, uh, we're always saying, well, good relationships belong to people who are constantly forgiving. Uh, We would agree with that. Um, Well, it works this way with our Lord. And uh, remember that you can be forgiven, ultimately, that your sins can be washed away. And so my thinking in bringing you the message was to help you to be able to always be abounding in the Lord. It will give you the opportunity then to understand that forgiving one another is absolutely essential in that. Uh, again, you know, um, in, in Matthew, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he's not just them, but those that are listening on, and he's trying to help them understand that they need to continue on and to be able to forgive one another. In the context of it, we are actually seeing, if you would, in, in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 18, and in verse number 16, is talking about how that praying together uh, really is sanctioned by the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would actually understand that when we are praying together, two or more are gathered in the midst, that he is in the midst also. And so it's sanctioned by the Lord Jesus Christ, dealing with offenses, you know, Matthew 18 is used to go to the other brother, uh, gives us a little bit more understanding of what we're supposed to do in the area of, of forgiveness. If somebody has offended us, we need to go to them. And, and then if they don't hear, we take a brother with us. And so then if they don't hear, then take the church, of course, that they have to stand before the church. Uh, and again, if they don't, then treat him, you know, uh, like somebody in the world. And so that you would love him still, but actually the treatment is different of somebody who will not forgive. And so that all concept comes to us and helps us understand a little bit more of the context of verse 21 when he says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times, kind of referring to the priests. Uh, remember that in Amos it talks about how the three offenses, but then there are four, so there's four times uh, maybe perhaps somebody would sin against you and you would forgive them. And some of the priests adapted that. And, uh, and they would actually say, well, three or four times or whatever. But Jesus goes further than that, and he goes 70 times 7. And really what we're dealing with is forgiveness. And so that's the whole mindset of the passage. 
And in that understanding that we are to be able to forgive one another indefinitely. You might want to write that in your Bible. Forgive indefinitely. And so how many times has Jesus forgiven you? He's forgiven you over and over and over again. And so we are to forgive others the same way and to be able to be able to uh, be strong and to always abound in the work of the Lord. You need to be one who would be willing to forgive, no matter how small it may seem to the other person, how big it may seem to you. There needs to be a forgiving spirit, and I hope that you'd understand a little bit more concerning forgiveness. In the context of it also, he is actually dealing with a parable, and so Jesus takes them a step further, and he brings them the great school school teacher, you know, the schoolmaster. He's coming now and teaching and helping us understand a little bit more by using an earthly story with a heavenly meaning on the area of forgiveness. So he has the parable of the unforgiving servant and the consequences of unforgiveness. And so uh, basically, we know the story. We read it earlier on how this particular uh, king, if you would, earthly king, and he has servants with him. And uh, he actually takes here, look at verse number uh, 23 again. Therefore, uh, is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants? And when he had begun, reckon on, uh, one was brought unto him, uh, which owed him 10,000 talents. Uh, for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord uh, commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, as payment was made. We live in America. We don't sell our children, or we don't. But let me tell you something. There are places around the world where they do this. And if you owe somebody something, they will take your kids away, or they'll take your wife away until you make the payment. That's the way it is in Turkey, uh, and, and again, in other, other parts of the world. And uh, it makes us understand a little bit more of what he's saying here of this particular uh, servant that he has. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I'll pay thee. And then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and then uh, forgave him the debt. And then all of a sudden he goes out and he has another person that owes him. And instead of forgiving that person, this particular unforgiving servant then doesn't forgive him and, um, and, and, and makes him pay, of course, uh, in full price, and he doesn't pay it, so he puts him, puts him in, in, in prison. Uh, look at verse 32. Then, then his Lord, after he calleth him, said, O thou wicked servant, I, I forgave thee all the debt because thou desirest. Should not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And so the, the, the consequence is, is horrible for him. Uh, likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from the hearts forgive not everyone his brother that trespasses. This is really psychology 101. If, if you deal with an individual who will not forgive others, that individual will have all kinds of perplexities in their heart. And they will continue to have difficult days. And, and I want to just encourage your heart today that uh, do you realize how wonderful it is to free someone else up by, by forgiving them? But you know what it does to you? It frees you up too. I want you to think about this because forgiveness then defined is this. To stop being angry with, to pardon, to give up resentment against or the desire to punish. To forgive means to cancel the other person's debt. And sometimes we think, well, if I'm forgiving them, 
then that's actually letting them off the hook. But that's not what we're doing. Uh, we're not letting them off the hook by forgiving them. We're being the more mature person. And we're thinking more about, about them than us, of course. But it also gives us the strength to be able to forgive. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, In you, being dead in your sins and, and uh, the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And so giving us an understanding what Jesus Christ has done for us. If you were to write on a piece of paper the things that you've done, or somebody was to print those and send them to you, uh, you may have several pages of things that you did that was wrong. And uh, let me tell you something and share with you that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross so that he could forgive you of your sins. That's why he came. He wanted to make you clean. He wanted to be able to take the debt upon himself. And so that's what Jesus did. If you could take care of your sin problem yourself, then why did Jesus suffer so? Then why did he actually have all the things that he went through, the beating beyond recognition, the dying on the cross, hanging there publicly in shame, all of those hours, and of course taken off the the cross and laid into a tomb that was borrowed. Of course, the third day he rose again, and we rejoice in all of that. But there were the dark hours of the crucifixion where he actually forgave you of all of your sins. Do you realize that he has taken your sins completely out of the way because of the blood that he shed on the cross. I was thinking about an old story I heard in the 14th century by Robert Bruce of Scotland. He was leading his men into battle to gain independence from England. And again, they were trying to do the same thing we've tried to do, uh, to have that independence from England. And so Scotland was doing it during that time. And near the end of the conflict, the English wanted to capture Bruce and to keep him from that Scotland crown, if you would. And so they put his own bloodhounds on his trail. He was known for having dogs that could actually uh, track anything and anybody. And when the bloodhounds then got close to Bruce... He could hear them, and he could hear them barking in the distance, and his attendants said that we're doomed now, and we're done, because we know your hounds, and they're on our trail now, and they will reveal our hiding place. Bruce replied, it's all right, and then he headed for a stream that flowed through the forest, and he plunged into it and waded upstream a short distance, and when he came out, On the other bank, he was in the depths of the forest, and within minutes, the hounds, tracing their master steps, came to the bank, and they went no further. And the English soldiers urged them on, but the trail was broken because the stream had carried the scent away. And the precious blood of Jesus Christ has carried your sins away. My goodness, you think about that wonderful song about the blood of Christ. How does it go? Um, Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white. Don't turn me up, good night. (laughs) I sing better when it's turned off. Yeah. Yeah. What a wonderful thought. That it wouldn't just uh, perhaps cover him, but he's washed him completely away. Oh, what a wonderful understanding that the Bible gives us in the Psalms that there is a river 
really a stream, and that stream comes out of the heavens and understand that your sins are washed away by the precious blood. Oh, wonderful thought for us this morning, that our sins are actually washed away like the scent of that man in the stream that went downward. Oh, never to be found again. I thought about this, and I thought about how, how is it then that we can, and why should we forgive? I really believe it is because God has forgiven us and commands us that we should forgive. We do not forgive because we feel like we should. We, we forgive because it is imperative for your own well-being. That's why God says that we ought to forgive. The Bible is very clear in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice and be kind one to another, tender-hearted. The Bible says in Colossians 3, verse number 12 and verse number 13, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. So if we fail to forgive, we hinder our own forgiveness. Think about uh, an author, his name is James Boyce, and he wrote a book, and he wrote in there that God does not work by halves. He will not allow us to come to him in confessing half while hanging on to the other half. And so if we confess our sin, that confession must of necessity involve a forgiving attitude toward the people that offended you. You need to forgive them just like you come to him, the Lord Jesus Christ, for forgiveness. Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, read this way. And when you stand praying, forgive. Because if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. And so it would be hypocritical for you to ask God to feel, I'm not going to forgive this person, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. God, would you please forgive me? God doesn't like hypocrisy. He wrote in Matthew chapter 6 the same thing. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, I, I just don't really care for that person, and I'm, I'm really not going to forgive them. Maybe you would say this. They don't deserve it, but someday I might be able to. You know what, dear friend? You don't deserve to be forgiven by God, but he forgives you because he is God. Someone said that we're most like God when we forgive. I wonder if that's true. Uh, I think about how the very things that Jesus said when he was being crucified, he knew what was coming. He'd already been beaten beyond recognition, and he laid his body down, stretched out his arms upon the cross. And you know what he said? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. When we store hurt and, 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 and fail to forgive, it breeds resentment and bitterness. And bitterness, of course, contaminates us. And the Bible talks about that, that if you actually bump against somebody who is bitter, you might just get part of their bucket on you if you're not careful. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. 
It can be the smallest thing, but it could be the biggest thing. Maybe somebody offended you to the place where you say, well, that was big enough to where I'm not going to forgive. Harboring resentment and bitterness can lead to emotional and physical ailments. Forgiving others helps us to be healthy. I think um, maltreatment in prison didn't break Joseph, did it? He had a bitter, did not have a bitter spirit, and he did not let bitterness rule his life. He was able to forgive. The Bible even says that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries bones. And I think it's important for us to understand that even our own hearts, we know why we're bitter. It's not someone doesn't have to do an evaluation of you to be able to find out why you're bitter. The Bible says in Proverbs 14.10, the heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. And again, I think it's important for us to understand that forgiving is absolutely essential. And that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 18, that if somebody offends you seven times, should I go to them seven times and forgive them? No, go to them 70 times seven indefinitely. Forgive for your own soul, for your own well-being, for the, for the strength and the power to continue on. And how do I, how do I stay always abounding? And, and how does a person stay full of joy and fervency for our Lord? Forgive. Forgiveness will take your strength away. It will take your power away. Take your joy away. You want to be strong in the Lord and continue on. Learn how to forgive. Someone said that forgiveness is a gift we do not deserve. That's true. And we've got to remember that. It's important for us to remember that we don't deserve forgiveness, but we give it anyway. Forgiveness is erasing or foregoing all what is due, canceling the debt. We talked about that. It is giving the other person what God has given you. But once received from God, it is passed on to others. And so let me tell you something. The first place you need to go to, first of all, is to God. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. Isn't that what David did in Psalm 50? I think it's 51. Psalm 51. And he's basically saying, Give me, you know, create the right spirit in me. Uh, don't take the Holy Spirit from me. Dealing with forgiveness. And once he forgives you, then you can give it away. And if you don't have God's forgiveness, how are you going to give forgiveness away? Go to God first. and Say, Lord, forgive me of all my debt. I owe you so much. Would you please forgive me? Failing to forgive results in personal torture, we see in the text. I like what David Tripp said. He said uh, that forgiveness fixes in me what somebody else broke in me. I think it's important for us to remember that you can be fixed. I was thinking about forgiveness, and there is something in my own personal life that I had a problem with for years, and I had to forgive. And I'll just tell you what it was. It, was, it dealt with my home. We were working hard here at the church for we decided to build a log home, and my wife and I decided to be the general contractor on it. And and uh, I had four sons. I felt like maybe it would be good to bring them in, and they can maybe learn some of the trades, and we can see, and they can, you know, I got the electricians in there, and I got the, the plumbers in there, and I, I picked the right, I didn't pick the right electrician. I picked the Amish guy that came out of Amish, and he didn't quite understand lighting. So... <laughs> But I helped him out a little bit. We had to redo some lighting. My son Joshua helped me do that. 
but I had uh, guys come in and do all the work and, and uh, put the logs together, and we did the drywall and some of the framing and the pine work that's in the great room and all that. And so we put in white oak floors, and I thought, man, this is nice, or red oak floors, and the Amish did it, and we brought the, the oak in, come in by a semi, and put it, the whole floor was going to be red oak, and and, and by the way, we did it all for $150,000. We kept everything in budget. We took out the fireplace, took out the garage. We stayed within our budget, and we still live there now, but it's almost 20 years later. But I'm telling you that I had the best floors ever. The Amish did them. And they put four coats of varnish over the floors, and the floors looked just And so I put this tape over it, and I please, please do not enter this house the floors are drying. And I went and got in my car and went up north to go deer hunting that week. And guess what happened? Three people visited my home and they had boots on and they tracked mud in and stepped into the, to the varnish before it was settled and it was all over. Every single room. You can see they walked into the corners. And, and my wife said, I, she, I, got, I called her that night on a Friday night and I said, how you doing? She said, I think somebody came into the house. And so it was hard for me to forgive whoever. I still don't to this day don't know who did it, right? It was hard for me to forgive that because it was like, but then I'm thinking, oh, it's all in the house. And you're probably thinking, you're probably judging me now, thinking, pastor, whatever. Look, I don't even, I don't even have floors in my house. My, my, my house has got gravel, you know. Yeah. Uh, but if you come to my house and sit in one of the chairs, you can look down, you'll see some dirt underneath the varnish. Because I had the Amish guy come down, he kind of buffed them out a little bit and redid them, but it. It wasn't the same. But that individual, whoever did that, probably is just hurting on the inside because they know they really messed it up. Why should I ever make it worse? Honestly, I need to forgive. So do you. I was thinking about a story I heard of, of uh, I believe it was Edison. Let me read it for you. It was actually Thomas Edison. He was working on that crazy contraption called the light bulb. You remember the, that he was actually part of it? And it, was, it took a whole team of 24 straight hours to put this thing together. And the story goes that when Edison was finished with the light bulb, he gave it to a young boy to help him who nervously carried it up the stairs, step by step, cautiously watching his hands, and then finally he got to the top of the steps. And he dropped it. And it crumbled into thousands of pieces. It took the entire team of men 24 more hours to get that light bulb to where it was just like the one before. And Thomas Edison called that same boy and gave it to him and said, Carry it up. That's forgiveness. The same name that you took to the trashy places. That same name is given to you. Jesus Christ. You took him places that he, sh- he had to go with you because wherever you go, he is there. But yet he forgives you of it over and over and over again. Can I share with you that, that years ago I was in a church. It was Levon Drive Baptist Church. Gary Coleman was the pastor. Maybe some of you know who he was. But I remember sitting down with him and and talking to him, and, and he had one of his children was going forward all the time. And I talked to another pastor in the area that may, re, referred to his son and said, oh, his son is the one that goes forward all the time. I think his rededicator must have broke out by now. And I said, no, no, 
because God continues to forgive. That pastor spoke unjustly. He's with the Lord now. He knows better. Gary Coleman's still alive, and his son's still alive. And I can remember watching that young man go forward almost every single service. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. I, I made a mistake. I, I, the Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That was written to the, to the Christian, dear friend. Did you realize that God is into helping people rebound? That's what he desires. He desires for us to get up again and to continue on. Oh, listen to me, dear friend. If you've fallen down, God wants to forgive you again. And I think we need to do the same thing. What are some of the hindrances to forgiveness? I think there are many of them, by the way. I think of insecurity. Maybe a reason why someone won't forgive. We may not feel good about ourselves. If I think of myself as the uh, injured party, perhaps, it may give me a false sense of righteousness and status, and so we might be insecure and say, well, I'm not worth it anyway, so I'll just live with this unforgiveness. No, let me tell you something. You're the child of the king. You're his child, and he wants you to be, to be strong. And don't let your insecurity keep you from asking God to forgive the other person, but also ask you then to forgive him. I think holding a grudge, refusal to forget the injury or the hurt, we can enjoy the feeling of holding a grudge perhaps because it makes us feel better. It provides morsels we enjoy chewing up again and again and again just because you think you have something on that person by holding a grudge. That is so foolish, dear friend. Why would you ever hold a grudge against a, a Christian brother or sister? Now, I know that we talk about being brothers and sisters in Christ, but did you realize that that bond between us can be so strong, even stronger than our own personal fleshly family? Did you realize that? The Lord Jesus Christ had that desire for his disciples to love one another, to be able to love him. Do you love me, Peter? Of course I love you. No, 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 no. Do you love me? And really, I think... There needs to be that kind of love within the church family. It doesn't matter where you were born, what nation you are. I think we're going to change our church, by the way, multinational Baptist church. But aren't you glad that grace is really multinational? If you think about it, the word grace, it goes to every nation, every tribe, every single tongue in our world. Grace is ready and forgiveness is there for them. And they can be forgiven by God also. Just a few weeks, I'll be heading to the East Asia again. I get to get a chance to go into there. I, I go to Malaysia and Singapore. I've never been to the Philippines, and so I'm looking forward to going. I have to lose a little weight to fit into the shirt that someone bought me. So uh, for some reason, pastors are fat. I don't know why. I think, I think pastors get fatter as they get older. Uh, I think it's because of the lack of exercise, don't you? Come on, work with me, folks. This means yes, this means no. You're looking at me like he's talking about himself. Yeah, I am. And so uh, I tried on a shirt that someone bought me, and it's a large, but I think that Filipinos' large is different than American large. And so that's the problem. That's the issue. And so, uh, but it, it fit okay. So I'm, it's going to be all right. But it'll be a lot better than wearing a suit over there and a little warmer than average, you know. And so they're having a spiritual leadership conference in Asia, and so all kinds of missionaries are coming from all over that 
Eastern Asia, from Taiwan and Japan and, and China. Look, we're looking forward to right into the Philippines. And so, uh, and then I'm going to go 10 hours north into a wonderful church that we support. I get to see them in action and uh, be able to spend time. And you know what I'm talking already about, Julie and Rose. They want to go with me, and maybe I can get you in a suitcase. We'll try to take you guys with but, uh But they want to go and see their homeland. But I'm telling you what's wonderful is what God is doing all around the world in the area of forgiveness and grace. Wow, forgiveness is universal. God wants to forgive every single man. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You think, well, I might not be part of the chosen. He already chose you by saying all can come. You say, well, I I don't know if I'm good enough or not. He wants to make you good enough. Why don't you come to him first? Because none of us are good. We're all sinners. I think it's important for us to understand that there are hindrances to forgiveness. How about self-pity? Self-pity can become an identity. If I let hurts go, what will I be complaining about? You, know? you ever find the person that's always constantly holding on? I'm not going to unforgive them. And then they go from counselor to counselor, uh, and they know why they're bitter, and you know why they are also, if they would just forgive Just release. Uh, Be still and know that he is God. And that word be still is talking about really let go of the situation and let God be God. Remember, stay behind that cloud of providence. Sometimes anger is a hindrance. I don't want to let go. I just want to be angry all the time. Sometimes pride. I don't need that person. I can do my life without him or her, and I just don't need him. And so my pride actually keeps me from forgiving them because, to be honest with you, you do need them. And the more relationships that you have that are good, the more secure you'll be as an individual. The less less relationships that you have because you won't forgive people is your problem. And so if you feel like you're always alone and no one's loving you and no one's caring for you, it just might be that you need to look in the mirror. And I'm not trying to be mean. You've not forgiven them. If Jesus has forgiven you, then you ought to extend forgiveness to them. I forgive you. I forgive you. Remember years ago, I was working with a man and we were in a restaurant. We were in a small town in Wisconsin. We were getting junk, and then we would go and sell the junk, and then we'd get money out of that. Believe it or not, it's a business. I was in between Hiles Anderson College and the Marine Corps, and he went to a restaurant, and he took off and went someplace. He said, we'll be back in a little while. He came back in tears, and I said, where did you go? And he said, I went to my father's grave, and I wrote him a little letter, and I left it there, and I forgave him. I don't know what his dad did. It doesn't matter. That man forgave his father, as an, as, as, and he was older in life. I think he was probably 60 when he forgave. It's important for us to know this, dear friend, that if we want to live the kind of life that we should live, we need to be a good forgiver. And don't let pride keep you from forgiving other people. Sometimes our judgment is messed up, or our discernment, if you would. Deciding the person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. The hurt was too great. Let me just tell you that let God be God. You forgive him. Let God deal with him. But I'm going to make him pay. Listen, if you step in God's way, get out of God's way. God's dealing with that individual. And if you forgive them, give them over to God. 
God will take care of them. Revenge is a horrible thing. Revenge may keep you. Maybe you want that person to pay. Maybe it's a lack of strength. That hurt was so deep that I feel like I'm completely wiped out emotionally and I can't forgive them. God's going to give you the strength to be able to forgive them. The lack of awareness of the need to forgive. Old resentments may have been pushed down deep and forgotten within us and it triggers the memory and you think, well, I can't forgive them. I must keep it within, down deep. Let it come up because it will sooner or later. Bring it to the surface. Write it down. And then ask God to give you strength to go to that person and forgive them. If you're a born-again believer and you're holding grudges toward people, you're not right with the Lord. And that's why you're struggling. It's important for us to forgive. Forgive the circumstance. Forgive the issue. Forgive the problem, whatever it may be. Forgiveness should be part of your life. It should be every single day you get up and you just want to make sure that you're forgiving everybody. Sometimes personalities, it's easier for some to forgive than others too because of their personality. It might be easier for that person. Seriousness of offense and faithfulness on the part. Let me just give you some of the myths of forgiveness and then we'll close. The myth is this. If I forgive them, I'm condoning, I'm condoning their behavior. That's not necessarily true. It's not true at all, actually. If I forgive them, I must also forget. That's not true. Because you can't completely forget. You can forgive. I've had the forgive things in the past. And by the way, uh, standing up before you this morning, it wouldn't happen if I was unforgiving. I can stand up here today, open up the word of God, because God's given me the strength to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. Did you know that... That it's, it's wonderful, just, you know, and by the way, husbands and wives, this is Valentine's, you know. You, you, if you want a really good, hunky, good next couple of days, guys, you've got to forgive her. Well, she's got to forgive you, too. But husbands and wives, your relationships, it, it's huge. It's huge because not only your children, but also within the church. If you've got husbands and wives that are at each other's throat all the time and don't speak to each other and you got walls up and everything else, it's going to hit, hinder every part of the, the function, not only within your family but also within the church. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I probably would be with my, the one I loved and I chose. I'd still be with that person if I would have forgiven them. They would have forgiven me. Well, you know what? It's not too late to forgive. Forgive now. And just keep moving on because God has given you the opportunity to have who you have in your life right now. And, and, and you may not, not have did it so well before. You might have blown it. Well, no, stop it. Stop blowing it. And start doing what God wants you to do. Ask him to forgive you. And then so you can actually forgive them. And then move on with your life. You know, it's amazing how I was with a, on a ride-along one time with a police officer and I could see he had to kind of be a lawyer. He kind of had to be a pastor. He kind of had to be all of this all in one because he wore the badge, you know. And sometimes pastors have to be sometimes an investigator. They have to be a lawyer. They have to discern between husband and wife which one's telling the truth and which one isn't and all that. It's all part of the process. But it makes things a little bit easier for everybody 
if we would just forgive one another and we would love one another like Jesus desires for us to do. If I forgive, then I also must reconcile. It's not necessarily true. You can forgive them and move on. I think it's important for us to also remember that if I am spiritually mature, I can forgive easily and quickly. That's a myth. By the way, I think for a new believer, they ought to learn how to forgive uh, people right away. Then they'll be able to be longevity and walking with God and acknowledging him. So what do I do? I think, first of all, you ought to acknowledge it. If, if, if there's someone that has hurt you in the past, or if you've caused the problem, the first thing you do is acknowledge it. It's just letter A, you can write acknowledge. And then accept it, okay? So admit it, and then accept it, okay? I did wrong, they did wrong, and I accept it, right? And then adjust. Adjust, take the time of confessing to God what went on, whatever it might be, and then asking him for the strength to be able to forgive that person. Uh, I'll tell you what, this would actually transform your whole home if you would learn how to forgive one another. It'll transform your Christian life. Say, how do I do that? I think the first thing is to take care of your sin issue, not the other person. And so if you have not taken care of your sin issue, which is to first come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means that we've all missed the mark. And so if we had a target up here on the wall and we were to get back and shoot at it, no one would be able to hit the bullseye. Nobody could do that, only Jesus. We all fall short. Every single person's a sinner. And the only one that can forgive you of your sin is Jesus. Allah can't forgive. He's not even a God. Think about that. He's still in the tomb. He's the dead man. And he will be eternally in fire forever because he never accepted Jesus as his personal Savior. Do you know how how fortunate you are? That you understood that Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Hallelujah that we understand this. I was thinking about how many thousands of people were crushed to death just this last week. 25,000 people. I don't know if you've ever been in the streets of Turkey. I have. And I can't even imagine what happened to all of those people that were crushed. And many of them don't believe in Jesus. The thought of it just, just blows me away. And here we were at Costco yesterday with our cards full looking at how we can actually buy a massage chair. And I got a guy with a loaf of bread running to some place to go feed some people in the lands of Turkey or, or the streets of Turkey or, or else it was Syria. This is a serious thing. We're very comfortable. Don't you think the least we could do is just come to Jesus and ask him to forgive you and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Would you please cleanse me? Maybe you're not sure you're going to heaven even. The only way you can get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And his forgiveness to you. And he wants to forgive. And so maybe that's what you need to do today. Come to him. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've been religious. You know, and religious people need to understand that religious people cannot get to heaven unless they have put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ alone, not their own goodness. It is Jesus alone. 
It's not Catholicism. It's not being a Lutheran. It's not being a little good Baptist. It's not. It's being a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. He made it really simple. Faith in his work on Calvary. And if you've never done that, today would be the day. He's calling you. He's been drawing you to himself. Today is the day to say, yes, I'm going to open my heart to Jesus Christ. I need to be forgiven. And maybe you've already done that, but you've been distant from him. Things have taken you out, and you've kind of got apathetic a little bit about your walk spiritually, and you're not where you should be spiritually, and you know that. Then why don't you come and talk to the Lord? This is an old-fashioned altar, an old-fashioned church, and I'm so thankful that we can actually have an invitation today. And you can take care of things up here today if you need to. You need his forgiveness before you can forgive somebody else. Maybe you've been carrying that burden for many, many years. It's way down. It's really heavy. Why don't you give it to God? He'll take it. And you can be free of that burden. And you can walk out this building free and uplifted. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you just stand to your feet, no one looking around, we need to have an invitation this morning. If God has spoken to you, you come. But maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I, I need Jesus. I've never accepted him. I've never opened my heart. I need his forgiveness and I need it now. And maybe you would just lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need Jesus to forgive me. Would you please pray for me? Just lift up your hand if you need that this morning. Yes, yes, thank you for your honesty. Thank you. If you're a lady and you'd like for someone to show you from the scriptures how you can be born again and how you can have Jesus Christ in your life, then why don't you come and I'll have a mature lady from the Bible show you how you can be free of your sin. But if you just like to come and just kneel down at an old-fashioned altar, you can do that too and talk to God. I'm going to pray, and as soon as I'm done, the invitation will begin. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.